capital culture has enabled a different and a new atmosphere in state politics. This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Welcome to a special Election Day bonus episode of The Leaders We Need. I am your host, Joel Harder. On the podcast, we typically feature conversations with leaders. But today, I'd like to spend a few minutes with you and discuss the role of leaders themselves, particularly the leaders who will be chosen to serve by voters in communities across the nation and in the years just ahead of us. Over the last many days, I've seen two or three articles a day or op-eds, statements coming from prominent leaders, particularly from faith communities, sharing their thoughts on the shape of the election, the right relationship between politics and political leaders, and the various motivations that compel how a person ought to vote. As you might guess, opinions fall on all sides. I commend these efforts to raise important questions. They are questions worth asking. And the thoughts they've shared, well, they're well-argued, well-articulated, and they are not without merit. But I cannot ignore the sense in my gut that these articles are not as helpful as they could be. The problem is not the content of their arguments, and certainly not the character or credibility of those writing them. They are people I either know, admire, and respect, or people I know by reputation and hold in high regard. The reason they are less than helpful is when they were written. More than when they were written, when they were published. I have no trouble believing that the authors of these pieces have held their respective positions and the basis for their motivations and thinking that goes back long before today's election, and that they'll stand by their arguments in non-election years and whomever future candidates might be. But the current media market is driven by one crucial, unavoidable factor. Outlets need readers, they need clicks, and therefore, they need their content to be immediately relevant and compelling enough to get eyeballs. These articles accomplish just that by way of their timeliness. One quick caveat. In reading these articles, there are gracious encouragements to readers who are contemplating how to vote. Guidance to pastors and faith leaders imploring grace, civility, empathy, compassion, no matter the outcome. So they can be helpful for those purposes, but not as much to advance a real conversation that will have a lasting impact and create solutions that bridge divides in our society. Important conversations, complex problems, require at least three important things. First, the ability to focus on the problem. Second, the availability of diverse perspectives. And finally, the application of solutions that will work over a long period of time. There are more, but just think about these three. 
While the articles written over the last few days are timely in their relevance to the election, the election itself constitutes a barrier to our ability to focus on the problem. A real conversation is needed about the right relationship between our motivations, particularly when those motivations are derived from particular faith traditions, and how we participate in the democratic process, cast a ballot. We should not be naive. While there are so many things a person may want to do with their freedom to vote, there are limited options available to them. Pick one candidate or the other, pick neither and write someone in, pick neither and don't vote at all. The availability of diverse perspectives are also limited. Earlier today when I went to vote, there were five or six options for one office on my ballot. For the other eight or ten offices, there were only two. And the application of the solutions provided in these articles, well, they may be based in principles that go beyond today's election, and I hope that those arguments will be read again in the future, but I'm under no illusion that the reader was most likely looking to them for guidance on what they would do today. And that's about as far as they were thinking. In short, addressing real problems needs a conversation that isn't predicated on its timeliness, but timelessness. The polls are still open and you may be joining me before you plan to vote today, but I want to talk to you who, like me, have already cast their vote. That task is done. Can we have this conversation now? And not just now, but in the months ahead of us. Future episodes of The Leaders We Need will be dedicated to this conversation and we'll gather diverse perspectives from leaders along the way, but here are a few things to remember since you can be part of this needed conversation. First, remember that leaders are chosen servants. They are democratically chosen in our country. They are granted real authority with which we entrust them to exercise. With that authority, they can do a lot of good just as they can abuse it. But that authority is theirs to steward. The parameters of their authority are outlined in legal documents, in statutes, and constitutions of their respective states and our nation, but that authority ultimately comes from the people. My desire for elected leaders is always that their time in office is marked less by political wins and legislative accomplishments and marked more by a deep encounter with the ones from whom that authority comes. Second, Remember what religious liberty is really about. The Establishment Clause in the First Amendment has numerous implications for society, institutions, and law. And those implications are very real and worth defending. But it is helpful to think of religious liberty ultimately as the constitutionally protected freedom to be a whole person in every arena of life. It's less about the organization or institution of a particular congregation and more about the freedom of the individual in that congregation. Who am I, or any of us, to dictate the terms by which a free person is motivated to vote? If you are a faith leader, you do have a responsibility to help those who look to you to rightly understand the convictions and doctrines of the faith, but a good teacher gives good lessons in good time. Third, remember that what takes time can be timeless. A real conversation that incorporates diverse perspectives leading to effective solutions will not happen in a day. It won't happen in an article, and it certainly won't happen in a tweet. 
The leaders that I admire most are those who do the long and hard work that needs to be done. And those results, well, they last. A final encouragement on Election Day. Just as I've read numerous articles about the relationship between faith and politics, I've read countless more on what our nation needs most now and in the future. Unity to replace division, peace to replace conflict. Think about a time you last felt really at peace. Where did that peace come from? Why was it there? Now, do whatever you can to find that calm again. Hear how French Catholic theologian Jacques Philippe talks about peace. He likens peace to a lake that is in your heart, and the sun is shining above that lake. He says, if the surface of that lake, the water there is agitated, undulating, well, then the sun cannot be reflected clearly in it. But the calmer the surface of that lake becomes, the more brightly and clearly the sun is reflected in it. Philosophy, politics, economics, these things can give a measure of peace. Lasting peace comes from within you, and you have the opportunity to reflect that peace into the conflict around you. It's simply a question of whether or not you will. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.